Welcome to the LTW Fancast with me, Jacob Basford. And me, Jess Bunyard. Hello, welcome. We are still giddy from that Derby Day win, which we're excited to get into. I'm on my first cup of coffee, so throughout this pod you'll be able to sort of chart my caffeine hit as I begin to get more excitedly talking about Derby Day. But before I get too carried away on the caffeine, Jacob, how was your weekend? Have you come down yet from the Derby Day win? Uh, Hi, Jess. Uh, Not really, no. I have to say, though, I'm also giddy because yesterday was Pancake Day um, and me and my house and a couple of... Uh, our, our friends one of my housemates has has her sister has her sisters up so we've been it was a full kitchen yesterday sweating away making pancakes uh i i, I cracked a little bit under pressure my, my flip form and my pancaking making has seen better days unfortunately but no it was it was a lovely experience lovely to to have some pancakes but um what tastes sweeter than um golden syrup on a pancake it is of course an away victory an away derby day victory at uh franklin's gardens which is what we had on saturday which is amazing sorry uh, i uh, was i've got to cut in golden syrup on a pancake golden syrup not maple syrup or the classic lemon and sugar you go you go golden syrup on a pancake we might have to put out a social media poll so, so Sod the podcast, sod Derby Day, golden syrup. Is that what you is that what you prefer? Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the the notes I wrote down was how sweet does revenge taste? As sweet as Pancake Day, or as sweet as Valentine's Day chocolates, or as sweet as the Canadian maple syrup that Claire Gallagher had in her Weetabix on Saturday morning uh, to Very get us that nice. Derby Day win. Very so. Nice. You know that was that that was that was that was the pun I was going to go with. Um, yeah, no, I'm 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 a fairly simple man when it comes to pancakes. It's just pancakes and golden syrup. I'm I'm assuming um, you're more of a maple syrup person then. Well, yeah. So if they're like the big style American pancakes, the fluffy pancakes, I will have them with um, maple syrup um, and sometimes bacon if we're going out for brunch somewhere. Um, but if it's like your your classic crepe, your English pancake, your thin pancake, lemon and sugar all the way. Probably far too much lemon so that I end up like pulling a really funny face while eating it because it's like ridiculously sour. But yeah, I'm classic lemon lemon and sugar kind of girl, really. You can't go wrong, in my opinion. But you can so have I- toppings. So a player I coach... Um, they're, I think they're Dutch and they're got like they're forever making pancakes but it's like a savory cheese pancake thing which i think is like a national delicacy i'm i'm waiting to try it she hasn't hasn't yet uh brought them to training um but i'm but yeah you can have savory pancakes feel feel a bit odd to me but i'm yeah i'm yes yeah. so long answer to your question is if it's big fluffy pancakes maple syrup can't go wrong if it's your english pancake it's it's got to be lemon and sugar for me. It's it's a classic. Can't go wrong. Fair enough. I mean, 
I'm not I've not I've never really tried savory pancakes, so I can't really give my opinion on them, but I can't say I've ever been appealed by them. Like some of my housemates last night were having savory pancakes rather than sweet to kind of like make up as a as as a dinner kind of thing. But I was I I, I wasn't interested in that. Um but back to the week back to the weekend, I wasn't able to to catch much rugby at all. I think I caught um about 40 minutes of the of the England Wales game whilst I was making my dinner and I, I was I was checking Twitter when I could for the uh Tigers Love for Lightning game because I was doing a swing dance event all of Saturday and some of Sunday as well. So that was that was really cool. I did post a video on my personal account as a reply to one of the um one of the LT LT LTW fancast uh tweets which was which was quite cool. You can see me in the in the Tigers top. Um so that was that was quite good. And then there's another small rugby link to it because on Sunday I was learning how to do aerials, so like all like these kind of fancy jumps and stuff. And I was using my expertise um in all the all the line out lifts and all the line out jumps that I've been that I, I used to do over the years to to help me do some to help me do some do some lifting. I was I was lifting more than jumping for, for swing aerials, but that was that was really, really cool as well. So um yeah, but today we're recording on Wednesday morning. We are recording on it's not Ash Wednesday, it's also Valentine's Day. Uh any any plans, Jess, for, for Valentine's Day? Um yes. Steak cooked in tonight, steak and, and mashed potatoes. Um and I got surprised. We we weren't supposed to be doing gifts this year. Um but I got surprised with an orchid, which is one of my favourite plants, and some sweets. Like I'm a fan of Haribo sweets and squashy sweets and stuff like that. So um a big kid at heart. So you can't go wrong with that, really. So Mark yeah, you. so that's yeah. And last night we trained, obviously, because it was Tuesday, so it was Galentine's Day, which I mm. think was, so we kind of themed training around that. So everybody wore like pink and red. And we were theming the session on support, but we wanted to work on support anyway. So that was a nice link. And then at the end, we spoke about the the joys of kind of female friendship and how the team enables us to to grow our number of female friends and support each other and and generally the supportive environment that we we always kind of endeavor to have. So that was that was really cool. Um, so it was kind of nice that the training fell on on Galentine's and we were able to theme it around that. Um, and it was fun. It was fun to see everybody's rocking up in pink socks or pink cardigans. Yeah. One player wore a giant, you know, massive pink beanie. So yeah, it was it was a really good session. But no, no tiger pink tops. No, no. Well, it's it, there because of where we are in Yorkshire. I, most allegiances are, are split. If they were going to watch a PWR game, I think fifty percent might end up cheering for Sale. And 50% might end up cheering for Tigers. Obviously, they know I'm a massive Tigers fan. Um, so we'll we'll get them down to a, a game there at some point. Um, but yeah, I think just because of where we are, because obviously Yorkshire doesn't have a, a PWR team or a men's prem team. Um, we're a bit out in the wilderness when it comes to, to top flight 15s rugby. Um, so I think their allegiances might be split. But no pink Tiger shirts. That might be my, my mission for, for next year. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. So on to 
progressing into the pod. I'm going to give you kind of a run through of what's happening. Obviously, we are going to talk about that Derby Day win. We're also going to chat about some new sections, which includes the the failure of us or our five point deduction, which sparked some conversation on Twitter X. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to get into that. We might sort of do a little compare and contrast of our press release announcement versus sale because both us and sale have been awarded that five point deduction. We're going to chat about the six nations for the women's because I know the men's has only just started, but as soon as the men's six nations is finished, we are head first into the women's six nations. So we're going to chat about that. We're also going to do a player profile and sadly, there's no game for us to preview this week, but it's probably going to be a jam packs pod, mostly because we're probably going to be over giddy, over excited for that Derby day review. But We've also got some news as well. So if you weren't listening last week or missed it on Twitter, slash X, we are now on a new sports social media app called Contested. It's primarily female-led, so you may know Jess Hayden, who has written the book on the Red Roses, who's done a lot of work on on England. Um, She's written for, I think, the, the Telegraph or the Times on the Red Roses and women's rugby. She's now joining them as a kind of a sports media editor at The Contested. They've got Poppy Cleal kind of writing stuff on there. And basically what it is, it's an app to put down your sporting predictions. So we're going to put down some PWR predictions over the next couple of weeks. We were right because we put down a Tigers win for Loughborough, but we didn't get the scoreline right. But we were right on the on the Tigers win. But you can put down your predictions and you can kind of agree or, or disagree by just clicking simple buttons. The engagement on there is really fun. Um, and it's a nice way to link in kind of your sports watching with following sports people on social media and seeing what their predictions are. So on there at the moment, I'm seeing Poppy Cleal's predictions for the men's Six Nations, which is really, really cool. Um, so please, please, please join us on that. You can find us on there at LTW Fancast. And we've got some kind of two big, really news items for you today. I'm going to give you one announcement and then Jacob's going to give you the other announcement later on in the pod. We have got some sponsorship. Um, so a massive, massive thank you um, and kind of hip, hip, hooraying to Leicester Forest Rugby Club, um, who have decided to sponsor us for this season. And I'm really, really excited because they're such a strong grassroots club and we know they've got strong links to Tigers. And for me, it's I'm really, really pleased to be linking with a grassroots club that's so passionate about women and girls rugby and working so hard in the Leicestershire region to help grow the game. And just like the Leicester Tigers women's team, I feel it's important for us to build strong connections with the surrounding community. So we know, you know, and I know when I, I spoke to Vicky for a previous publication, she didn't just want to like pick up and drop a women's team in the middle of Leicestershire without any connection to the outside world. She wanted to help grow women and girls rugby in the surrounding region and then forge stronger pathway links and grow the game and help more people pick up a rugby ball and experience the benefits of it and use the Leicester Tigers women's team, a successful Leicester Tigers women's team to do that. So for us, it feels like we're helping that model um by forging these really really strong links with Leicester Forest Rugby Club so we're going to bring you some more info some insights into the the rugby club the strong links they've got with Tigers but for now thank you thank you thank you so much Leicester Forest Rugby Club um for sponsoring us and we are I'm really really excited that we we're building such strong connections with such a strong community rugby club (laughs) 
drum roll, hang out your bunting, do a weird dance, do whatever it is you need to celebrate because we have not only beaten Loughborough Lightning slash Northampton Saints, and when I say slash, I, I do a big like, what, on the screen. Um, we have not only beaten Loughborough Lightning slash Northampton Saints, we've beaten them away from home at Franklin's Gardens and they were playing the Saints kit, which makes it all the sweeter. Jacob, thoughts, giddiness, any emotions, anything you're able to form into a proper sentence, unlike myself, getting overexcited? Um, just on the kit, like, how good was it that we were, we were in the black kit, they were in the, they were in, like, the Saints-style away kit, that just looked... Ah, oh, it was it was so good. I think it's just it really emphasised. I think sort of like the full time scenes and the the Derby Day sort of antics we're going to be talking about later. I think all that just 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 was was made a lot better by it being at Franklin's Gardens and and, and Lightning wearing the Saints kit. Um, so that was really really cool to see. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think it's really, really pleasing. I think I'm going to strip away from the, the Derby Day factor for a second. I think the fact that we got this win after the disappointment of last week where we should have got the win and didn't. We didn't let our heads drop. Um, okay, we were potentially a bit more error-strone than what we were against Gloucester Hartbury. But the fact we we got that win and we're continuing that momentum that we've been on since that Sale Sharks win is is so so pleasing. Just just from my perspective, so I think to to, to get that as well as get the, the the Derby Day win is is just really really good. And we're we're we're, we're I feel like we're beginning to get on a little bit of a, of a wave now of momentum, which if we can keep that for the rest of rest of the period until the Six Nations break, that that's going to be that's going to be awesome. I, I agree. And um, I get a kind of a, a weekly roundup along with the PWR stats that I'm going to go through in a bit that's sent to us by, by Paul Morgan, who works at the PWR. And they do like sort of bullet point headlines from like the week. And our headline is Leicester Tigers recorded their second consecutive away win and have now won two of their last three PWR matches after losing the first seven of the campaign. So I think that for me indicates like the recorded their second consecutive away win. That's a massive headline for us in our first season of the PWR. That's mm. absolutely massive. And we could have, we could have really, you know, we, we said last week the Gloucester Hartbury was the one that got away. But for me, yeah, it's it's sale and this, it's those second consecutive away wins that make this so exciting because it's not just one win now. And you could say, you could write off the one win as being, well, it was just the one win, you know, they were going to get one this season. No, we've got two and they're both away from home. They're both away from home. We are now really, really showing all of the learning improvements we had in the first half of the season. And we're showing that you're going to have to really, really, really play if you want to beat us because we're becoming yeah. an amazing team very very swiftly we've 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 learned really well and taken the step up as we talked about that massive gap between champ and pwr 
we've we've started to really really bridge that gap quite quickly i think yeah yeah absolutely and in the the first couple of pods we've been talking about our sort of aims for this season to get two away wins this season i think is is a lot better than what we were potentially expecting we were sort of like we were kind of like hoping to be to be tough to beat at home and then we'd get a scrap here and there at home predicting that potentially a mid-table side would send a second string and and and, and take that for granted and, and and we'd pull a few surprises but the fact that we've done two away wins at two tough places to go sail away on a friday night and to Enya. yeah Enya. sail away sail away sail away and you know, Loughborough Lightning have been, you know, that they're fifth. They were fifth in the PWR before this weekend. They've been really difficult to play. They've got a really physical defence. They've got some quality Red Roses and Helena Rowland and and Sadia Kabea. You know, they, those are those are two tough mm. pitches, and to, to to get those wins on the board is is amazing. And yeah, I think. Um, Going forward, if we get a couple of, you know, we, we won't talk about the Ealing game for the women's game because that's 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 next week. So we'll do that in in the pod next week. But you know that 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 home game becomes even more sort of tastier and a lot more uh, exciting to, to to build up to. So yeah, I think it's it's just amazing in terms of our own goals that we've set this season that we've we've managed to get two away wins. I just think that's absolutely massive. And, and the vibes in the squad just must be like on the roof at the moment. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Which is why I think actually it's probably really, really beneficial to have the week off because I don't want the emotions to get too carried away, if that makes sense. Like I yeah. think we spoke, was it coming after the Saris game, we spoke about using the weeks off to pause to reset, to just reaffirm what our goals are and to then push ahead. I think the same can be said of this week. So we've got a week off. It's really, really important that we use this to just, yes, really, really enjoy that Derby Day win, but then refocus, reconfirm what the goals are and then look to get that first home win at Mattioli Woods Welford Road against Trailfinders on the Friday night. It is a Friday night. We're going to talk about it, I know, on next week's pod, but it is a Friday night. It doesn't clash with the Six Nations. You know, there's no Gallagher men's prem. So I'm saying this now, and then I'm going to say it again in next week's pod. Get yourself down. Get yourself yeah. down. Let's really, really, really use the momentum that the women's team have given us with these two, uh, you know, these two consecutive away wins to really, really fill that trade view stand, get yourself down. Absolutely. But I think having this gap is probably really, really crucial because it allows us to just think, reset, kind of reconfirm our goals and, and really kind of use it as a little bit of a pause to enjoy the Derby Day win, give that all of the emotion and celebration it deserves but then make sure that we don't carry over that emotion too much into trail finders. And I think that's really important. But you mentioned Kabea. I did want to go into a couple of things where I think we could make improvements into this next kind of little 
quarter of PWR fixtures. I think Kabea really tested us. I know you wanted to speak about the fact that we conceded a few tries from lineouts and malls, um, mm. which is obviously disappointing because we've spoken about our lineout driving more weapon in the past. But I think that's just the Kabea factor because I think last time we played Lightning, we probably sp- we I think we scored off a driving mall. Yeah, we did. Yeah. I think it was Ellis Martin that scored. I think, I hope I'm getting this right off the top of my head. And, you know, I'm now my second cup of coffee. So the caffeine's really hitting. Um, but I think it was just the the Kabea factor that meant that our lineouts were a little bit shaky. So if I'm, I'm just going through the stats, their lineout success was 91% and ours was 70%. And obviously that's quite low on a lineout success rate. But, I, I, you know, I think they really look to target that area using the returning players and they targeted it and they pressurized this really well. Um, but I think that'll be somewhere where we'll be looking at that and going, right, Loughborough Lightning really targeted that area. How can we now use that and get even better and and you know and look to push on? But I, I know it was disappointing looking in the highlights to see we can see a couple off a of driving mall when a driving mall is our weapon. Lineouts and driving malls from, you know, the five metre line are so, so hard to defend without conceding penalties. They're so, so hard. They're 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 almost impossible, really. Um, and so when you've got somebody like Kabea in your forward pack, it you know, it it's it's pretty much uh, you know, really, really completely impossible. I don't know how many times I've said impossible in there. Um, so for me, it's no surprise that they look to target that area and look to make that into a, a weapon. But the exciting aspects for me when I look at the highlights and look at the scores is, wow, Claire Gallagher. Um, I think she won try of the week this week for that amazing intercept score. Yeah, Um, she did. Yeah. And also, I think the way we wanted to play. So we've, we've, I mean, we forced them to make so many tackles because they made 189 successful tackles and we made 104. Uh, we were kind of equal on the turnovers. They conceded about two more penalties than us, so we were pretty narrow on that. But for me, it's it's the passes and the meters carried and the carries themselves are where you can see we've used our attacking identity to win the game. So Lightning only made 126 passes. We made 208. That's almost double the amount of passes they made. So we're looking to move the ball into space. Carries-wise, Lightning made 95 carries. We made 130 carries. And the metres carried is quite astronomical. So Lightning made um, 567 metres carried. We made 86. So. That's that's quite a large difference in terms of metered carried, and that's where you can really see the attack coming as well. I mean, I think I said a couple of weeks ago I would really like us to do more offloads. <laughs> um, like this this week, looking at the offload stats, Lightning made two and we made eight. So we're trying to not only carry the ball, go forward into contact, take somebody in and then offload it, and we're looking to pass it. We're looking to hopefully, I think looking at these stats, looking at the highlights, looking at the way we've previously played, we're starting to do that keep the ball alive philosophy that Ron Nogara gets a lot of credit for in terms of La Rochelle. That's a philosophy that's been around for a while. We're looking to carry hard, create some space and try some things. 
Um, and we made what six line breaks, they made three. So, on kind of the indication around attacking ethos, these stats tell a lot for me. The, the that meters carried one is really, really important. Jacob, I've, I've probably sprouted a load of numbers and got really exciting around attacking potential. It makes me think about the trail finders game because we know their attack is end to end, we know our attack is end to end. But just on the lightning stats, what are your thoughts around? how we're now really starting to string together cohesive attack, looking at the the passes, the meters carried, the offloads and line breaks. Yeah, it's really, really exciting. I think I firstly I'm just going to go back to the fact that there's so much there's so much meters gained for both sides. And if you look at the match reports, if you look at sort of the LTTV videos, like uh, so much was talked about the physicality of that match. And I think the, the stats demonstrate that. And I think the fact that both teams made a lot of metres each, um, but the scoreline was relatively close. Uh, there was Loughborough Lightning only scored three tries. We only scored three tries. I think that's testament to the defence on show by both teams as well. And just the general physicality that was on display. And you do get a sense of that. This is where I'm going to shout out the Tigers video now. You do get a sense of, of, of that physicality from both sides in the, the eight, nine minute highlights video that Leicester Tigers have published. So since the game last week, um, Leicester Tigers pub published a, an eight minute video for the Gloucester Hartbury game. And they've now done a, a eight minute, nine minute highlight video for the Saints game as well. Like th those have been really, really, really fantastic. So I know we've been banging on the the drum at the club for, for having these type of highlight videos to give us not just us, not just the listeners, but general supporters, more of an insight into these um, matches and stuff. So that's that's really, really good. I mean, we saw World Rugby sort of repost Claire Gallagher's try, which is really, really cool as well. Uh, we're going to get to, I think we're going to talk about Claire Gallagher on in, in, a, in a second. But um, yeah, that was just awesome. I mean, some of the hits were just insane. I mean, in, in the highlights, um, Real, there's a there's a huge hit by um, Sangapolo. I mean, we've seen that across the season how good a, a, a tackler she is, but she absolutely crunches someone. That was awesome to see, and I'm, I'm, I'm you know shout out to the Tigers media team for for publishing those eight nine minute highlight reels, and and hopefully we'll be getting more of them next season. So yeah, let's let's talk about. Well, I sense you're going to talk about. Claire Gallagher. We're getting longer highlights. So, Jacob, I'm going to ask you what your top Tiger time was. What is your favourite moment from the Derby Day? It's, it's it's tough to choose. I think I would like to talk about the the Amelia Tut try because I think our I think that was our best try in terms of build up uh, pressure and then the, the finish in the corner. But I am going to actually talk about um, our amazing Canadian superstar set signing Claire Gallagher, um, Canadian maple syrup filled Weetabix, uh, which which enabled her to have an absolutely stormer of a game. And we're going to talk a little bit about the second try later because I'm going to bring in some top Tiger times from the listeners on that. But her first try was really really insane. It's got her a second successful try of the week from the PWR, another successful try of the week for Leicester Tigers as a whole. We've got to be pushing close as 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 the top 
winners of of that category, so to speak. We've got to be up there. Hmm. And, you know, um, in the sale fixture, we were talking about, because obviously that was when she won her first try of the week for the PWR. We were talking about her pace. um, And she shows it in both tries, but she shows it in the the first try here where where Loughborough Lightning are trying to pull off a move. And it's just a, a great read by by Claire Gallagher. The the running lines from Loughborough aren't, aren't, aren't drawing in the Tigers' defenders. We kind of know where the ball's going. And and Claire's just in the right place at the right time to get that intercept and, and run it in. I will give a quick shout-out here to the Saints covering defender because she very, very, very nearly catches Claire. Um, so that was, that was really impressive work rate from Lightning to get back. But... Um, Claire stays composed. She she does kind of like a sevens thing, and that again that shows that the, the sevens experience that she's had when, when playing for the University of Ottawa. She sort of stops and then uses a strong handoff to to go again and and dot down over line. It's a it's an incredible incredible finish. Uh, deserved winner of, of try of the week for the PWR. If I do say so myself, and um, yeah, just kind of the the reads, the pace, and then the, the the composure to not kind of fluke it at the end with 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 the attempted tackle by the covering Loughborough Lightning defender. Uh yeah, it was it was amazing. So that's that's my top tiger time. What's what's yours, Jess? Um mine is not a score. Uh it's not even a scrum, you know? <laughs> Shock waves go around with listeners in Leicestershire area and beyond. Um for me, oh, it's, it, I saw on the highlights, it's the Meg Jones slow clap moment, which I know uh, Chris Hayward on Twitter also mentioned. Um, so it probably is, is their top Tiger time as well. Like, I think it's before um, a conversion that's right out on the touchline that, that Meg's trying to get. And she's she. I think she's obviously just using the full amount of time that is given to her. Yeah, she's getting the tee on. She's obviously refixing her hair, going through her mental processes around the kick. But um the I think it's the Saints fans, they think she's obviously wasting time rather than just kind of winding down the shot clock and using the time that is given to her. And they start like slow clapping her. And so she's just like Hell yeah. And just joins in and starts to like clap above her head before starting her, her proper kick process and then gets the conversion. Um, And the whole thing is just brilliant to me, but particularly just the embracing of that slow clap that they're trying to give her. Um, And then I, what I love is the highlights pan out and um, the camera pans out and you can see on the screen, it says, please respect the kicker. And then the applause kind of dies. Um, (laughs) But it's just, it's just the fact that she just joined in with the slow clap. And it's just, it's small moments like that, that have potential to have a life of their own on social media and therefore help to grow awareness of our sport awareness of the characters that we have within our sport. There's a lot yeah. of talk about how men's rugby union, we need to shout about the characters in our sport more. We need to make sure that social media clips are available to share more widely. And I think PWR and their power differently campaign. They wanted to 
show the characters within the sport. I think this is another example of this. You could quite easily imagine this kind of slow clap moment going viral and showing one of the characters that we've got playing in the PWR league. And then not only embracing that kind of clap moment, but then nailing the conversion. So it's not only showing character, it's also showing really high skill. So I think that as a combination is, is what makes it my top tiger time. But it, it's also, I think your point from earlier, if it wasn't at Franklin's gardens, let's say if it was at Loughborough uni and they weren't in the Saints shirt, would there have been that slow clap moment? I think adding those layers on of history allow, you know, and then having the women's rugby come on top and make its own history, but acknowledging the history of the East Mids Derby probably created also that slow clap moment. So yeah. lots of layers within that. But for me, I think it's, we talk about the, you know, the potential for sport. We need to showcase the characters more, the power of social media for showcasing these characters I think that in its own shows the the character of Magic Meg, but then also the execution of a pretty amazing skill rolled up in that. So, you know, if we were to just isolate that clip, you could imagine a world in where that that goes that goes viral and does brilliant yeah. marketing for PWR. So there's lots of layers for me that it's is a reason why it's my top tiger time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, it, it's just again it's just just showing all the qualities that Meg Jones is bringing to this rugby team and is 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 bringing to Tigers as a whole and yeah it's it's just it's it's one of those things where if Meg Jones was doing that to us we would absolutely hate it but the fact that she's doing it for us is is is, is just great and yeah, the, the touchline conversion was was top notch. It you know it allowed us to have a bit more of a buffer, and obviously she she got a penalty conversion later on in the game to kind of take the game away from 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 Loughborough Lightning and you know keep keep that keep a little bit of a, a scoreboard going. It's a, it's a whole Loughborough Lightning at bay and, and and get that win at the end. I mean, yeah, just just going back to Chris Hayward, this is what he put retweeting the match highlights. Particularly gratifying is a slow hand clap given to Meg Jones by the crowd as she wastes time in quotation marks before the touchline conversion, which she's obviously in quotation marks got no chance of getting. How sweet it was to watch it go over. Yeah, absolutely. Just a great moment. And this, again, I'm going to go back to the fact that Tigers have done these highlights because PWR don't really show conversions or penalty kicks. In, in the PWR highlights. So the fact we're we're getting not just the the absolute clutch touchline conversion from Meg Jones, but we get that build up beforehand of the slow clap and and all the drama that goes into it. And the fact that means that we're even talking about it because it allows not just the people that were there at the game, but the likes of likes of us and and Chris Hayward to talk about it. Yeah, that that's that's amazing. So again, this is another shout out thank you to the club for doing these highlights and and yeah, long, long may it continue on, on, on that front. But just before we, we move on to talk about the other tries, Jess, I've got a, I do have another top tiger time. It is our, it is from the, the pod fan cast, super spy, uh, provider of awesome information, Max Kirby. Um, they've come with trying to avoid the obvious choices. 
And and what Max has decided to talk about is Brody taking initiative in the first half with tap penalties when our line-out was struggling, kept up momentum. And I didn't see on the day who got the clutch turnover on the late lightning line break. Again, this is included in the um, Tigers highlights, but it was Fran textbook. So I'm just going to talk about first about Talia Brody. Again, she's been awesome for us. Uh, the highlights again were showing how how powerful she was, how prominent she was in the in 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 the carry. And I think yeah, I think Max highlights something that that was really really crucial because it showed our ability to adapt in game, which is really really cool and really really pleasing to see. And it allowed us to put on the pressure that meant that we got that Amelia Tut score um, just before half time, which was which was crucial. I think that was where the the clutch conversion came because that only closed the gap to five points. So that meant that we could kind of like keep the pressure up um, and 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 go full at it in in the in the second half. And then we didn't concede again in the second half. And obviously we got that that Claire Gallagher chip and chase score. And then the Meg Jones penalty, so that was awesome. But yeah, I saw that. I saw that um, turnover on the on the Fran McGee score. That was uh, not on the Fran McGee. So the, the the turnover by Fran McGee was awesome. I think that came after the Sangapolu uh, absolute uh, smash of a hit, or it was it was another. They might have had two in it or something. So yeah, that was that was awesome. But. Um, yeah, I think just going back to the to the to the Amelia Tut score, Jess. Obviously, we're going to talk about later how she's been called up to Wales. This is the second game in a row that she's scored a try. The highlights show that she was she was looking threatening. She's she's such a difficult player to to handle for defenses. I I, I really do rate her. I'm still, I still, and I I, I mentioned this in the Bristol game uh, review. I I think she could have a future at outside center um but for now she's doing awesome stuff on the wing scoring really nice tries it's just been an absolute handful for the defenses to handle Yeah and I actually I wanted to talk about something cuz I know you're going to talk about the tries <clears throat> and hopefully my voice will still be with us at the end um but there's there's also something equally pleasing to me in a lot of those tries. So if I'm looking at these with my coach hat on, I've got Claire Gallagher's chip and chase here. Um, and I noticed it on the highlights as well, watching it on the highlights. There's a lot of emphasis in so on social media, quite rightly, and on the highlights on the individual try scorer. And some of those are great individual tries. I think both of Claire Gallagher's scores are great individual tries. But what's especially pleasing to me is the work rate of everybody around Claire. Yeah. So, you know, there is not a, it's it's hard because of this, the, the clipping of social media and the kind of square box of the, the video on, on Twitter. So you can't quite see it. So watch the, the wider um, YouTube highlights and it, and it shows it from a better camera angles, but there's a load of people always running in support. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot to mention that actually for the for the like, first try. And, and it happens in most of the scores. There's a lots of people always running in support. So yes, these are great individual tries, but there's a lot of support and teamwork that has not only led up to it, 
um, but has also been there in case that player, you know, Tut, Gallagher, whoever gets gets tackled. So there's always somebody there in support, which is really, really pleasing to me. Um, you know, I'm I'm looking at stuff that that kind of forces the Claire Gallagher chip and chase. There's a lot of support players there. And as soon as I think it, it's Tash Jones, I think as the kind of Twitter video cuts it off, but literally as soon as Claire has run past her and played her on side, you can see it in the corner of the clip. She turns and starts her sprint in support. Like she's there. She's the waiting. Yeah. Equally, we can talk about the pressure on the potential and the Saints clearance kick. The, the the pressure that our scrum half put on there, just being in her face, being there, yeah. probably made that kick go straight to Claire, which is what forces that great chip and chase. So there's a lot of stuff that leads up to these great tries. But for me, the most pleasing aspect is the support. Everyone's there running great lines. And even if you don't get their first phase, there's people there running second phase stuff as well. I, I do, I know you want to talk about the tries. I just really briefly... There's only one improvement I'd like to see. We could talk about the malls and the lineouts, and I know I did, but I think that's the Kabea factor. They targeted that. That's full credit to them. Yes, we'll respond, but that's just full credit, I think, to to Lightning. And it's very, very difficult to defend a driving driving mall. It really is when you're on your own five. The improvement I'd like to see is... And it, highlights only show a snippet, so this is me being wanting improvements from seeing like two minutes of this stuff in an overall highlights clip. So this is probably just a snippet of the game, but I really would like to see our forwards taking the ball at pace with movement. There's a couple of times that the play slows down and it's very obvious who the scrum half is going to deliver the ball to. And sometimes that's fine because it has the ability to suck in defenders but I think we're just trying to drive forward from a static position. We're not trying to take the ball and take a hit and absorb it and then see what's left or enable our scrum half to, to clear. This is actually when we're attacking in their 22 or further up the pitch. So for me, I really would like us to see us take the ball with a little bit of pace. That could be a forward stood behind the breakdown and coming at it at a looping run and you almost dummy the static setup from somebody else and then you have a forward think Ellis Genge for Tigers when he's catching the ball at pace and on a run think Visa when he's given the ball at pace think you know if your only kind of frame of reference is men's rugby and lesser Tigers men's think that kind of ability to catch the ball at pace and I just think with the forwards that we've got and the meters that they're able to make from static, it would be amazing to see them make even more meters just by catching it at at pace on the move. I think for me, that's the yeah. only bit of frustration. But that's a bit of frustration that isn't just, you know, an improvement I would like to see for Leicester Tigers women's team. I see it a lot. I saw it for England men last weekend, not the weekend just gone, first week of the Six Nations. People were catching it on the move and they weren't even offering like a little tip on pass as a threat. It just became really easy to read. And I think for us, that's the next step because it probably worked really well against Loughborough Lightning and that probably might have been a deliberate tactic. I don't know. I'm not in a coaching room. You know, I'm not a coach, not a yeah. player. I'm just sat watching what is essentially 30 seconds of two separate forwards handling stuff on a highlights clip. 
Um, so it might have been a tactic that worked, but I think to push us on and to help us become even more competitive, because now I think we can say we're competitive. I think to make us even more competitive, I really would like to see us carrying the ball, but having a bit of movement before the forward receives the ball so that they can really smash over the line and smash over that gain line, as opposed to just making it really easy for the defence to read. Um, yeah. Because you know, if we want to continue to be competitive, that defensive, that's not stretching the defence in the way we have the capabilities to stretch the defence. So we can stretch them from the backs. We know that. We saw that from the stats. The next step for our forwards to be able to stretch the defences a little bit more is, I think, to just take it on the move. Not just to always offer those tip on passes we spoke about, but to take take the ball at pace and to be at pace when you're receiving the, the, the pass, which obviously requires a great level of comms between your scrum half and your forward pack because they need to know exactly where you are, where you're looping around from, how deep you're running from, all of that. So that probably is just something that just takes a bit of time, hence why we might be just catching it static at the moment. But I think if we're looking for an improvement where I'd really like us to push on, that's where. But that's a probably and also just a general bugbear for me because I see it a lot in rugby, of forwards just catching static. And I think it just makes it so easy for defenders to read. And anywhere we're making yeah. it really easy for the defence, we're, we're not, you know, we, we could be doing better. But that's me being really, really critical of a game where we've won and I'm looking at it from like 30 seconds altogether on a highlights clip showing some forwards ball. So, and it could have been a tactic that we used really effectively. I think we did suck in a few lightning defenders from that. I just think we can probably get even better at that and, and look to take it on the move. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it, it, it depends on, on what you're trying to do. I mean, obviously there's been a lot of criticism of the Tigers men's team this season about forwards taking it static and not wrapping around the corner and, and stuff that it, it depends. Yeah, you're right. It depends on the, on the opposition. It depends on your position on the pitch. So setting up for box kicks in your own 22 on the halfway line, you, you you're going to be static. You're going to be, you know, that's, that's, that's what you're going to do. Or, you know, you, you can, and this is potentially what they might have been trying to do against Loughborough. Lightning, obviously, we saw in the absolute stunner, stunner of the the Fran McGee try against Gloucester Hartbury. And when 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 Tigers posted the full clip, yes, we were taking the 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 ball at, at movement, but in that try included a a, a static Talia Brody popping out the back. So it could have been that they were trying to. Because we know Loughborough Lightning was like to be so physical in defence, I think it could have been that we we're trying to tempt them in and looking to see if that kind of out the back sort of pop pass was 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 on to to, to draw the defenders. So that that could have been the tactic, and you know it it could have been a case of they were trying to switch it up. But no, I I definitely agree. I think it it will add another uh, string to uh, another arrow to our bow, whatever the saying is. I've completely butchered that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's string to our bow. You said it. You started to say it right. And then you just pulled out of the sentence and made your own, which is fair. The phrase is now arrow to your bow. That is it. It yeah. adds to the arrow to your bow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of what, what I was thinking about. I think just going quickly 
back to that you're talking about the, the the work rate the general team that was going into the the Claire Gallagher chip and chase score I mean Loughborough Lightning are going to be absolutely furious on the on, on the position of, of of the player like how how the hell was that was that space there I, I have I have no idea and um uh, Simon Ealingworth was was tweeting about apparently he was at the game and apparently sort of all the players stopped apart from Claire Gallagher um, but I think one thing I will just talk about quickly is um, the pressure that the scrum half was able to put on the kicker was also as a result as the scrum because um, a Fure Yugi Agbe was absolutely was their loose head hadn't had had no interest in scrumming against her. She completely pulled out, and we we were potentially looking not to get a, a, a pen from that. But then that allowed that allowed our, our scrum half. I think it was Amy Ralph to um, put the pressure on on the kick for then Claire to receive. And obviously, you were talking earlier, Jess, about the stuff that that Tash Jones was doing to to wait until she was put on side and, and run that support line. I think this is probably the point where we should do a, a, a massive shout out and tip of the slipper to our club captain Tash Jones because um, she became the first ever uh, female player to win thirty caps for our club. Um, as as our captain, and to do that on on a day like that, where we get our first ever Derby Day win, uh, a Derby Day win away uh, at Franklin's Gardens, I think is 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 massive. So yeah, con- congrats, Tash. That's yeah. that's awesome stuff. Like long long may it continue. Obviously, you're going to be the 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 first of 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 many 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 Tigers women's players to 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 get that thirty cap mark. But um, it's it is a landmark. And you continue to do so much to the club, your leadership, um, your organisation of of the attack, of 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 the defences is, is is just awesome. So keep it going. And and again, not just in that Claire Gallagher try, but in in all of the highlights, I did I did make it a particular kind of um, goal of mine to watch where Tash was and to watch her support lines, and she was always there, work, yeah. working her absolute hardest to get there and support and support the the amazing attack that was being created. Um, yeah. So I think absolutely shout out to Tash. Amazing achievement to get that, that cap number, but also the first Leicester Tigers women's team club captain to win Derby day as well, which is also yeah. Yeah, a nice, a nice badge of honor for her to have and a recognition of the work that, that her and everyone else is, is putting in. Um, you know, I think we we know we have a few players that listen in regularly to the pod. Um, we know how much Derby Day means to them and a Derby Day win means to them. Um, the Derby Day win for us as fans is is absolutely massive. So a big thank you for that because um, I always say from Leicester Tigers men's perspective, it doesn't really matter where we finish as long as we beat Saints. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really care. Tar- goal number one of any men's Prem season is beating Saints. Um, so, yeah, goal goal number one of PWR achieved because we beat Lightning slash Saints, you know, um, and away from home. It really does. It really, really, really does mean a lot. I jumped up and down so much. Um, <laughs> I shouted... I think at one point my so my dad was here, 
we were watching one of the Six Nations games and I made him jump. I made the cat jump because I literally just <laughs> shouted when one of the tries went. I shouted, we've got to try. The neighbours, I don't know what they thought, but it, it really, it really, like, this is so sweet. This really is. Um, yeah. So I'm, I've, yeah, might watch the highlights 17 more times today after recording because it's, it really, it's, it's massive. So, um, you know, players listening, we hope, we hope you know how much this, this means to us and how much of the support that, um, you've got from us because Derby Day wins. Wow. Massive. And the first ever Leicester Tigers women's team to win a Derby Day away is, is also equally, equally massive. Awesome. Yeah. And just quickly, I mean, I'll just talk about Tash Jones getting oh. her 30 cap off. Uh, Morgan Richardson off the bench also got her, her 30th cap as well. So shout out to Morgan and um, yeah, awesome, awesome stuff by, by the girls. On to the news. I'm at a desk. I'm shuffling imaginary papers and I'm going to hit you with the rest of the PWR results that happened at the weekend. Here we go. Exeter Chiefs 64, Sail Sharks 5, Gloucester Hartbury 24, Bristol Bears 19. Um, and I, I think also that's a kind of an amazing result from Gloucester Hartbury against Bristol Bears. And I think it was the Gloucester Hartbury coach who said the winning is just kind of becoming a habit. And that's how yeah. we kind of snatched that win. Um, and you can absolutely see that in that scoreline. Um, the Saracens-Harlequins game was also a close one. That was the duel between Saris and Quins. Saracens got 29 points. Harlequins scored 24. And it was a kind of a women's rugby attendance record-breaking day over at Saracens because Saris broke their own women's rugby attendance record and their new attendance record is now 3,071 people, which I think is also amazing because it was played during the Six Nations men's period in London when England men were playing. There was a lot of rugby on TV. So I think to get that attendance record, whilst there's a lot of Six Nations stuff going on in the capital... I think is 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 a pretty outstanding achievement to have. So really yeah, well yeah. done for Starry's for for all of their hard work in the kind of dual marketing that I've seen kicking around. Next bit of news is our EPQ average points deduction failure. I need to think of a snappier title, but that's the one I'm going with. So if you missed this news earlier in the week, we have been deducted five points. Um, in this season's PWR, because we've not proved or not correctly demonstrated the EQP status of some players. This is different to Sale, who have also got the five-point deduction. I've read both reports sort of carefully. I oh, know, carefully. Um, I think from us, well, the club have directly said it, it's administrative errors. So I'm going to directly quote, administrative errors which the club have since explained to the RFU and PWR as cause for the oversight, meant the process was not correctly followed to demonstrate the EQP status of some players. So 
it, this is in qualification period one. So it's kind of a match day average that's done at various points around the season. So certain numbers of clusters of games, you look at your match day average to make sure that you're hitting the minimum average of 13 English qualified players in your match day squad. Now, absolutely, all PDR clubs have signed the regulations prior to the start of the season. And that's said in the RFU statement. For us, it feels like this is an admin error because we've not correctly followed a process in order to demonstrate EQP status of some of the players. And in the statement, Leicester Tigers say they accept the findings and they want to reiterate the support for the EQP regulations within the competition. I think this is really, really important um, because sales response, they say we want to, because they also got the five-point deduction, they want to build English talent, promote young English talent, and they've been really clear, they say, from the outset. Um, however, they feel the best way for them to build a competitive side quickly and to develop local talent is to bring in top-quality international players to inspire the next generation of girls. So their approach has been, I think, a bit more critical than our our kind of announcement and statement of these findings of the of the proceedings. They want to promote young rugby in this country by bringing in top international talent to allow them to be competitive. They say we need to be competitive to inspire. I do understand that view, but I also... It's really important that we have some kind of EQP process to enable the Red Roses to continue to be one of the top teams in the world. And it's in the RFU's kind of mission statement for the next kind of every Rose Women and Girls action plan to be the most successful women's team in the world. Part of that means developing, improving, growing your pathway. In yeah. order to do that, players have to get game time. However, when Susie Appleby, and we talked about it in a previous part, when she was critical of it, because they've brought in Exeter Chiefs, she's their coach, they brought in quite a few international players like Sale Sharks. They were quite critical of it from a player welfare process. And I think Belinda Moore, who's in charge of PWR, said we're constantly reviewing it. I think that's absolutely right. I think you need to have a constant review process for anything, for any system to test it's working for you, especially in the early stages of this league, especially within the early stages of women's domestic rugby, which we still, let's be honest, we still really, really are. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Right, we have a process to review. I actually think Reese is really, really right to protect the pathway. It's really, really right to promote homegrown talent. Do we and I don't know because I'm not looking at the numbers, need almost an asterisk or get out of jail free process where if you haven't met one of your match day averages for, you know, two to three matches due to, it could be injury, general player welfare, you don't want to promote somebody too soon, give them too much game time. <clears throat> could we see something like that introduced? I don't know. Is that viable? Is that workable? I don't know. It was an idea that I had when we were originally chatting about it and chatting about it on WhatsApp. And I said, could we see this? I don't know if that's a workable idea or if it's just me chatting shit, to be honest. Who knows? Could be a mixture of the two. Um, because I feel it's also important to go, we need to have a slightly different system and a different target number to the men because the men have an established pathway system. The men yeah, have yeah. an established academy system. 
And they're also full-time, all of them, full-time professional rugby players within the Prem. The PWR is not there yet. Unless you are playing for your country, you are not, and even in some cases you're not, even if you're playing for your country, you are not a full-time paid professional athlete. So for me, the, the system isn't weighed in quite the same way and it's not set up in quite the same way yet. Um, you know, not everyone is a professional athlete. Not everyone has come through an academy or pathway structure. In fact, we're still setting up and developing the girls' pathway structure in this country. We've only now got girls under 16 DPP, just like the boys have had that for years. We don't have an academy. Places like Saris have an academy, but not all PWR clubs have an academy. So there's there are inconsistencies. I think it's right we absolutely have an EQP rule. As long as the rule is constantly being reviewed as to its suitability and viability in this league, I don't mind. And I'm fully in favour of the fact that we're in support of this because that absolutely makes the right statements and backs up everything Vicky said about wanting to grow rugby in the region. That's yeah. absolutely right. We can't want, release a statement that says we want to grow rugby in the region and then release another statement that says we don't really like the EQP status. Like, yeah, I, that's that's counterintuitive. I, you know, you'll. I think you're going to talk about a few players that were born within the Leicestershire region that aren't EQP qualified, and that's that's slightly, that's a bit of irony. So maybe an asterisk on if you're born within like twenty five miles of your club or ten miles of your club. Um, you know, should you have a a kind of a homegrown asterisk, but you're not EQP. I, I have no idea. What What are your thoughts? Yeah, because obviously in our squad, we've got Amelia Tutt and Leia Bartlett, both Loughborough gals. Um, so both both from our county, both local rugby players. Um, but Amelia Tutt plays for Wales and Leia Bartlett plays for Scotland. So I, I, I think the, the, the English player qualify ruling needs to be changed on that front because it's, you know, we are developing rugby players in, in, in the region. They just happen to be playing for a different country because they've got um, slightly different sort of heritage or stuff. So I, I don't think we should be punished for that, especially in light of the fact that we've, you know, we haven't quite got that academy set up yet. And, you know, that that's going to take time to build. So I definitely think this is potentially the RFU and the PWR running before we can walk. Um, and we've had a lot of great, uh, interactions with this so i'm gonna i'm gonna just do a couple of shout outs to some general people and then we'll we'll, we'll get on to some of the tiger specific stuff but we had a <clears throat> we had a message from from a chiefs fan called uh glenn redler who said uh chiefs fan here we've seen firsthand how our overseas players have helped develop our young english players firsthand and drive support for the women's game down here uh in my opinion the eqp rule should have been slowly introduced perhaps 10 to start with or give an allowance to new clubs such as yourselves, referring to Tigers and Sale. There are so many other areas that need to be focused on first. Won't bore you with my thoughts on that. All I'll say is keep doing what you're doing. We'll look forward to seeing you at Sandy Park in June. Thanks for that, that, Glenn. I, I, I think that's that's really that's really really good insight there. And I, I, I think you're right. It, it, it's kind of having those allowances for players at Leicester, like Amelia Tutt and and Leia Bartlett, and and sort of you know, slowly bedding it in. I saw, I think it was Chris Hayward talking about that maybe like a, a, a J-I-double-F rule that the French have is probably more 
probably might work more in in English women's rugby than than in a, a copy of the EQP rules that, that, that the men have. Um, even though it's it's less English player qualified uh, players per PWR matchday squad than what is in the the Gallagher Premiership. Um, but yeah, and then we had like sort of tier two rugby tweet about it. Um, the account holder was saying that it is kind of counterintuitive to prevent players who aren't in the England setup from playing for their own countries just so clubs can meet their their quotas and that doesn't really help anyone doesn't help doesn't help the red roses um is extra paperwork for the club and isn't really helping developing nations so the fact that we might have to say that Katie Childs and Tanya Bird who have have capped for Sweden and, and Philippines respectively a few years ago but haven't played since then so paperwork wise, they could count as English player qualified, but it's kind of like they're they're not really gonna be on that that red ro- roses sort of fringe anyway. So we're kind of it's count it's it's not really helping our national team and it's to the detriment of other national teams as well, the current ruling. So that's sort of my thoughts on it. Um but we'll 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 get on to, to sort of the Tigers specific focus now. Yeah, like like you said, we had a lot of engagement with this on Twitter, and it's you know, it's clear there's there's lots of people on both sides of the debate. It's really really important that we preserve our pathway, um, and it's really really important that people should feel free and comfortable to play international rugby or to play, you know, domestic top level domestic women's rugby in their own country. I'm not sure if this rule is the sole way of doing that, but I also think it's really, really important that we try to grow. It's not just protect, grow, develop, improve the the women and girls pathway in this country. Um, probably the growth of other countries' domestic women's leagues is a pod decision, maybe discussion for a, for another day. Um, mm. But I know you wanted to give a shout out to SB Keen because he um, they did some work on this. And I think we're probably we've retweeted that, but I, you know, we're going to encourage listeners to check that out because he's they've done the maths stuff for us as is traditional. I always um, check out SP Keen's Twitter whenever they're doing the the financial review stuff. They're like the Twitter account to go to for Tigers financial reports. But I think they've also done a bit of work on the EQ status of of Tigers players, looking at who we might need or where we've slipped the mark or something like that. Jacob, I'm going to, I'm going to hand over to you because I think you were leading the interaction on, on social media for this one. Uh, yeah. So if you're listening, um, SPK, thank you so much for just the general stat stuff that you do for the Tigers in general. It's, it's, it's awesome stuff. Um, so uh, following the news, SPK says I've, I've done a spreadsheet Um and he's he says either Tigers are nine players over over the period off the quota, or uh, Kaz Colley is EQP is EQP, and one of Katie Childs and Tanya Bird is an EQP through birthright transfer. Um, and then, so basically, he's saying that all those three players is where potentially we have slipped up because all those three players have played for Tigers in the PDBR this season. So Kaz Colley um is well has played for Scotland in rugby union but has played for England in rugby league um which was a which was she did that in 2022 so that's a that was where potentially that the paperwork slips up there um so she's definitely um English qualified I think from residency 
Um, and then Katie Childs is, I think, is has played for Sweden internationally, but is 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 quali- is, is qualified for England as is Tanya Bird, who has played for uh, the Philippines in both the fifteens and the and the sevens women's codes. So yeah, shout out to SBK for for doing that. These kind of things are are sometimes hard to to see, and it's kind of like what what counts as a full international? Is that the same? In, in in the in the women's game as it is in in, in the men's for some countries it, it potentially isn't um in terms of what like you know when they talk about playing for under 20 sides does that does that catch you uh so to speak for for a nation i mean obviously the the, the rules have changed now that you can swap a nation if you haven't played for them for for three years um so yeah just just thank you sbk that that that, that that's awesome stuff and and yeah, I feel like we've done quite a good balanced job of, of, of showing both sides of the argument. And, and if, uh, yeah, if Belinda Moore um, sticks to, to a pledge to kind of actually review it uh, and, and not just say a buzzword and, and, and keep things in consideration, I think, you know, I, I'm pleased that the club have been honest that it's just an administrative error that they just didn't... Um, do the, the 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 paperwork properly, um, but I hope that that going forward more allowances are given because you you can't run before you walk. We've got to have, you know, a strong rugby setup in the north, and for Sale to do that, they're going to have to, um, you know, p- potentially be more reliant on internationals than than what we can. Um, so you know, I, I just hope that. Um, it does become something that can grow the women's game in future rather than being over-protectionist, over-autarkic and is then actually just to the detriment of our own game and to the detriment of our domestic game rather than growing our national team, our league and the other international teams as well. Yeah, and my, my I guess my last word on it is is, is something Graham Smith said, um, who's um, coached Red Roses, won the World Cup with Red Roses as their forwards coach, said at some point in traditional kind of smithy straight down the line way all clubs did sign up to this at the start of the season so it you know complaining halfway through the season as some have done i i don't know if that's necessarily the right way but yeah really you've got to have a seat at the table before you can start discussions so um it's it's important to keep reviewing discussing and engaging with administrative bodies and your clubs and and fellow co-coaches within the PWR system to ensure we get what is the right fit for everyone not saying this isn't the right fit but as long as there's a continual review process I'm I'm happy talking about international players uh nice little segue now into talking about the Six Nations because we've previously mentioned the women's Six Nations is on the horizon. The competition starts as soon as the men's finishes. And there has been news. So congratulations to Amelia Tut and Becca De Filippo, who have been called up for Wales. They've been announced in the Wales squad this week. So a massive, massive congratulations to those. And although the PWR takes a pause during the Women's Six Nations, our pod is going to continue. So we're going to be chatting about the Women's Six Nations stuff, maybe aim to bring you a bit more behind the scenes, in-depth stuff around the Tigers uh, women's squad as well. But we're also going to be focusing on our international Tigers players during that Women's Six Nations period. Do a bit of a Tiger watch, as Mike would say. (laughs) 
Um, speaking about kind of match official appointments for the Six Nations, obviously we've spoken about Joy Neville um, retiring from international, match officiating and moving towards uh, Connor in a match official's development role. Um, the appointments for the Six Nations uh, has been announced and Joy Neville will have her final test match appointment for, uh, for the France versus Italy game on the 14th of April. And a massive uh, round of applause and congratulations for English referee Holly Wood, who gets her first call up to the Women's Six Nations match officials team. So amazing, amazing, amazing. Well done, Holly Wood. It's really, really pleasing to see the England match officials uh, kind of pathway and, and growing and the home nations match officials pathway alive and well. So on to talking about the Women's Six Nations in a little bit more detail. As I said, we're not going anywhere during that time. And in fact, we're going to run a fantasy Six Nations league for the Women's Six Nations online um, for all our pod listeners and keen statisticians, competitive souls, join in, see who's going to be the best. And in the second kind of pod exciting news, we've got a sponsor prize for the winner. Jacob, what will the winner get? Who is donating this fabulous prize? Um, yeah, get competitive, get excited. Jacob, tell us more. Thank you, Jess. Yes, we are absolutely thrilled to announce Charmwood Vintners as the proud sponsor of our Six Nations Fantasy League. They'll be offering a magnum of wine, that's two bottles and one, for the winner. Charmwood Vintners, Leicestershire's local wine merchant, brings an exquisite selection of wines from around the globe. Explore their exceptional range and discover the perfect bottle for any occasion by visiting charmwoodvintners.com. So, yeah, thank you. So we do have uh, a, a prize for our Fantasy Six Nations League, which is which is so exciting. So so shout out. Thank you for, for Charmwood Vintners for, for helping us out. Obviously, they, they helped uh, the Rolling Wall out with, with, with their fantasy leagues for the for the World Cup and everything. So, yeah, that's that's awesome stuff. And I'm really, really excited to to get into that because not only can we do tiger watch where i do my uh bike impression uh but we can look at our england players but also our scottish players and our welsh players as well which is really really um exciting so that's going to be really really cool and i think yeah just just shout out to uh obviously amelia tut she's been in great form the last couple of weeks her her call up has been deserved and i think you know becca de filippo hasn't been involved for Wales since around 2018 so to be called up back to the to the Welsh setup because of her because of playing for us but also because she's been on loan for Gwalior Lightning and in, in the Celtic Challenge and she's been doing really well in there so to have that experience back in in, in the Welsh setup and they're riding on a little bit of a way from a really confident WXV1 as well so that's going to be really really interesting to see how uh the Welsh do in the uh, Women's Six Nations was coming up soon after the Men's Six Nations end. So uh, all very, very, very exciting. Final, final, final bit of news. Um, this is more rumour. Uh, Meg Jones posted something on her Instagram story, so it's not available to see anymore, but she posted it sort of Monday, Tuesday. We're recording uh, Wednesday morning. She did a photo, I think, from the game at the weekend where mm, Amy Kane, obviously with our, our star Red Road, our other star Red Road signing, uh, was running the water for for the game on Saturday, we think. So, obviously, we've got a little bit of break now between the game 
uh, not this Friday, but next Friday against seeding trail finders. Could, could, could we be seeing? I mean, we'll talk about this more in the preview of the Ealing game next week. But could we be seeing Amy Kane and Tiger shirt finally against Ealing trail finders? Who knows? I, I, I definitely think I, I definitely think it's on the cards, which is which is really really exciting. I know we'll, we'll talk about it more next week, but yeah, yeah and that's, just that's just on cool. that, that's that's you and Elliot from the Rolling Mall that have that have asked about Amy Kane. Um, so she's like a fan favorite before she's even stepped into a Tigers jersey. Um, so you can check out kind of uh, Elliot putting me on the spot around that uh, in the Rolling Mall's latest episode. Um, I. I said that, will we see her? I don't know. I, I I have a suspicion that we might be more likely to see her in a Red Roses shirt in the Six Nations before we see her in a Tigers one. But, but it would be absolutely amazing to see her against Trailfinders at Matilda Woods Welford Road, playing for the first time in the Leicester Tigers jersey at home. Yeah, it starts to, I start to get really, really, really excited, but I think we'll have to wait and see. But you'll have to maybe wait and see on next week's pod to kind of hear our hesitant speculations about squad decisions. Moving on to our last section of this week's pod, we're doing a player profile and we're going to focus on Katha Jacobs. So I've got her uh, stats about herself and then Jacob's going to give you a bit of an insight into South Africa women's rugby. I have to say, like a few of these kind of player profiles, which almost reconfirms how important it is that we do them, there's not much information kicking around about players. Um, You know, if you were to search for an international men's player, you probably find a lot of information that you could fill, you know, pages and pages of a player profile with. Um, So it's, for me, it kind of reconfirms the importance of us doing these so that we all, um, listeners, ourselves, get to know these these players that we're supporting and cheering week in, week out. So, Katha Jacobs, she joined Saracens prior to playing for Tigers in January 2022. She signed for us in the summer of last year. Um, And during the early part of this season, she was focused on returning from a collarbone injury. Before playing for Saris, she played for the Blue Bulls in South Africa. She's played international rugby for Springboks. Uh, Her stats from the South Africa rugby site say she's currently got 15 caps. Um, Before she played rugby, she was a rower and then she played sevens. She made her sevens World Series debut at Cape Town Sevens at age 21 Um, Before that, she started playing rugby at university when her uni team needed extra players. And after that experience, she got invited down to a national camp and played a friendly against Brazil. Um, South Africa, as you know, Jacob, you're going to tell us more, but they've recently played in WXV2 and they finished third. Uh, Yeah, so... Because obviously, with these player profiles, we talked about Swedish rugby, we talked about Canadian rugby when, when focusing on some of our players... Um, South African women's rugby is really interesting because obviously we talked about Canadians women's rugby about how women's rugby in Canada is so much stronger than the men. Obviously, in in South Africa, it's it's not the case of there the women's game internationally is as strong as 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 the men's Springboks. Um, there are a lot of potential reasons for that. Um, one of the reasons is that the the Springboks women's side is relatively new; it's only twenty years old. They only first played in 2004. Um, so 
Sorry, I'm they just in shock seven... that, I'm now in shock that 2004 was 20 years ago because it feels like like three years ago. Proceed, proceed. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, either way, it, it's it's not that long, really. Um, they did make their World Cup debut straight away in 2006. They've only missed the 2017 World Cup since then. Uh, they've also won Rugby Africa's Women's Cup twice in 2019, 2022. And they're currently ranked about 13th in, in world rugby. So, yeah, as Jess mentioned, they played in WXV2, um, where they kind of got a respectable mid-table third out of sixth um, finish. Alongside Katha Jacobs, their star players in that pack are Hele at number eight and, and Latasha Prop, who both play for Harlequins. We've both talked about those players before when we previewed our, our, our game against Harlequins. Um, both got bags, bags of potential players um particularly um sort of the, the power of, of Hele at number eight but also the the, the scrimmaging potential of of Latcher as 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 well um obviously I, I when I was doing some research last night um when Razium Erasmus who is now back to being the Springbok head coach but in his old role as general um director of rugby at SA Rugby, part of that his responsibility was the women's game. And sort of around the the Women's World Cup, he he came out and was talking about trying to to boost the women's game in South Africa and talking about having a, a, a South African model that will that will work for the women's game in South Africa, not trying to copy other nations and also importantly, not trying to copy the men. I mean obviously we we're talking about earlier in the pod about potentially the the English player qualified system might be um, being a copycat system of, of the men and not quite working right for for the women's game. And also we can talk about really does it work for the men's game, but that's that's a discussion for 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 another pod. But obviously um, Razi Erasmus was talking about trying to build not only a strong domestic setup but a, a strong youth pathway as as well. And it was only really around the last World Cup that there were gen the, the, these sort of genuine discussions about professionalizing the women's rugby setup in South Africa were taking place. Um you know that there's we can talk about some of the reasons why it's taken longer for for the Springboks to be to be set up to have that professionalization set up and to be taken seriously at an international level. That didn't really happen until the World Cup in New Zealand, where they were so physical against France and they sort of they 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 played like a South African team and sort of the world woke up to the likes of 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 Katha Jacobs, of of Hele and, and Latcher. And their um if if we call back to WXV2, um their absolute monster of a hit by a fly half, one of the Scottish players that was doing that went global on on social media. So it's only sort of really in the last season or so that we've seen this we've seen sort of the cogs slowly start to turn in in for for the south african women's spring box um I, I, I think i think that's also probably due to the the appointment of lynn cantwell who is a former former irish rugby player who is now um women's high performance manager of, of south africa rugby and i think that's probably due yeah. that i think the reason why we're probably seeing more becoming more and more aware of these kind of conversations and advancements um developments growth in the game in south africa is probably it's probably due to to lynn cantwell so we probably can't talk about south africa women's rugby without talking about her 
But I know there was also an interview with with Khaleesi and he was asked what would he want to do after retiring and from playing. And he spoke about wanting to support the growth of the women's game in South Africa. And I think having it's not just having the voice of like Lynn Cantwell as your high performance manager, but it's it's having allies like Razi Erasmus and, and Khaleesi talking about wanting to develop and how to develop women's rugby and using their voice power, the, the currency that they have as a force for good represents the the real positive power of, of male allyship within within rugby and within wider sports. So I think having those kind of conversations is is really, really helpful. And again, you know, using your voice um, within sport, the power that you have to, to, to help and speak about um, others and to continue progressing your nation is is really, really good. But I also think recent improvements are probably due to that appointment of, of Lynn Cantwell because she's, yeah. she's a force by all accounts. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think just on male allyship as, as, as well, I think it's it's making sure that when the likes of Razzie and Rasmus are, are making these comments that um, it's not just uh, fancy media presses, buzzwords, it's it's making sure those those words are put into action. And obviously, um, you know, Razzie has 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 done a lot in, in the last couple of months couple of years to, to to boost the women's game in South Africa. But then we've also got to remember that in the men's world cup, he did um deliberately misgender a um what is absolutely a burn account. So I don't know why he was even bothering interacting with it. But um you know he he did that and that's 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 not that's not really good. But you know people make mistakes and and you know we can't judge people on on a singular action which is what social media do all the time but again it's when we're praising people for allyship or just male allyship in general it's it's also key to remember that, that these instances have happened as well so i hope i hope that um because i respect Razi Erasmus a lot as a coach and for what he's done for south africa in general i hope that um those words are put into into action and i think obviously with south africa i think i don't want to be generalizing too much but i would say outside of track and cricket women's sport in general domestically is perhaps not as strong as what it is in sort of the the uk so i think there are wider national societal issues that need to be sort of addressed in south africa to enable more um women athletes and players in 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 general um but i think that what what south africa have, have have been doing in in the women's game in rugby recently will will go a long way towards that but i think just quickly as we round off jess i think i'm gonna use this opportunity to talk about the fact that you know we see um in some countries like south africa like ireland the men's game is strong but the women's but that is has been to the detriment of 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 the women's game and i want to use this opportunity to to show our support as a podcast and obviously as ourselves uh yesterday that the the news that was on twitter that the irish women's rugby supporter channel on on twitter um sort of has done so much over the years to try and boost uh the women's game in ireland which has been um treated shockingly I will say by the Irish um, RFU, 
has has announced that unfortunately because of all the 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 horrible abuse that that account that they've been facing over the years that they're unfortunately going to be shutting down that account after the women's six nations um we can talk about it more at a separate time sort of the the, the state of, of women's rugby in ireland specifically but and sort of the the, the horrible vitriol that, that this account has has faced but i want to i want to use the opportunity to show our love and support and, and appreciation for all the the work they've been doing over the years to to, to help boost the the women's game in ireland yeah, absolutely. Um, they've done a lot and are extremely passionate about women's rugby in general and women's rugby in Ireland, which has been through um, extremely tough times and hasn't always got the investment and level of, of love and care that any sport, any team deserves. Um the I you know briefly have had some interactions with them um around this kind of abuse and offered support. It's you know, no one deserves to be driven off a platform due to constant um persistent abuse. Um and so we wanna, as I say, quite rightly send our support to the person behind this account. Um yeah, and we'll probably use the Women's Six Nations as a bit of an avenue to talk about the the history, states of the game within um, the international teams that we're going to be seeing during the Women's Six Nations. That's probably a really good use yeah. of, our, of our time whilst also shouting about our international Tigers. So we might do a bit in that. So we'll probably um, get into that when um, we, we chat about the history of kind of Irish women's rugby. Um but we've spoken about it before around Owen Farrell, referees, online abuse. Um, no one um, deserves to be driven off a platform due to persistent abuse. Um, everyone has the right to enjoy this game that we love and gives us so much. Um, so, yeah, we just want to send our support um it's it is a shame i've enjoyed seeing their content and and seeing how passionate they are um so yeah sending love and support um and a quick reminder that it's really easy sometimes to send abuse when you're sat behind a keyboard because it feels like you're distanced from that person and as i said past in past pods i love having open debates with people on twitter I really, really do. Um, it's just important to remember that there is always a line and I think it's quite easily sometimes to cross that line if you're sat typing behind a keyboard and a, and a laptop or a computer screen, phone screen. Um, yeah, but yeah, send, sending our, our love and support to Irish Women's Rugby Supporters Club on on Twitter because they've been immensely passionate about their, their love of, of Ireland and women's rugby. Yeah, absolutely. So that is it for this week's pod. 
Oh, we've covered a lot. We covered Derby Day. Uh, we've talked about Meg Jones's slow clap moment, which is like my, my favourite time. We talk about support. We've spoken about some news. We've spoken about the EPQ average. We've announced two. Personally, we've announced some pod news about amazing um, Fantasy Six Nations League prize from Charnwood Vintners. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. And about our amazing pod sponsorship from Leicester Forest Rugby Club. Again, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, next week, we are back. We are going to preview that exciting Trailfinders game. I'm going to say it next week. I said it on the Rolling Mall. I'm going to say it now here as well. Get yourself down to Mattioli Woods Welford Road. If you've already got the women's season ticket added onto your men's season ticket, swipe in. What are you doing? Get yourself down to the Tradeview stand. If not, and you need to purchase a ticket, we've got one for my mum, so there's going to be three of us down there. My mum's coming along. Um, so that that's an excitement, I guess. You get to meet my mum if you're coming. Um, <laughs> and it's just, just, just more bang for your buck now because my mother's coming, not just me dad. Um but you can also uh, go down to the Leicester Tigers um, website and purchase your tickets there. It, it's ridiculous prices for the amount of amazing rugby you get. It's £5 if you're under 18. Um, it's £12 if you're an adult purchasing a ticket. Let's fill out that trade view stand. We have the capabilities to fill out the trade view stand to support our team and our additional voices, our additional shouting combined with my jumping up and down, might just get us that first home win at Matt Early Woods Welford Road. So don't just wait till hear me on next week's pod. Don't just wait to hear me on the Rolling Mall pod talking about it. Do it, buy it now. Get yourself down there a week on Friday for a kickoff. It's going to be amazing. Thank you so much for listening this week. Um, I've had way too much coffee, if you can't tell, because I'm overexcited for next week's pod and the Trailfinders game already. So I'm going to stop talking and allow Jacob to say his goodbyes now. <laughs> Boom, mic drop. Um, yeah, thank you so much for listening, guys. This has been a, a, a lovely episode to do. Uh, it's so good to talk about a, a, a Derby Day win. Uh, the first of many Derby Day wins that we're going to talk about. Absolutely. Uh, many gloating and all that kind of thing. So thank you for all that. Um, uh, again, thank you so much for the interactions around the EPQ Twitter discussions. They were amazing. Uh, thank you for all your top tiger times. Keep sending those in. They're really, really um, great. And yeah, keep interacting with us on uh, Spotify and Apple Music in, in terms of rating and leaving us reviews. We'll, we'll read out reviews as we as as we get as more as we get more on on next week's pod. So, so keep doing that. That's amazing. As Jess said, uh, check out the latest episode of the of the Rolling Moor for her little um, snippet with Elliot. That was really, really good. And yeah, obviously. Um, the Tigers men are playing this weekend against Ealing Trailfinders. So as I'm sure, we'll be celebrating uh, a glorious double over Ealing um, as a club soon. I'm sure of it. So yeah, um, enjoy Valentine's Day if you're listening when we record, when we publish this on Valentine's Day. If not, I hope you have had a nice Valentine slash Galentine. Have uh, a great week and we'll be back next week.